Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. We are recording this immediately after the loss to the Chicago Bulls. I'm Adam Motenko. I feel like Jason Tatum tonight. I'm throwing my arms up in the air, ready to complain at anyone that will listen. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. I'm kind of fired up. I'm like uh, Javante Green starting against his old team right now. Just and our good friend Mike down, th- throwing it down on the rest of us. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a loss. That was that was a devastation. That was a collapse. That was a calamity. Uh, let's let's talk about it because I need some group therapy, guys. Yeah, we're coming off three straight losses: two to the Wizards away, and then at home. And then I was ready to come on this podcast. And this is like at the end of the third quarter, I was ready to say this is the best game of the season so far. It's the first time that they've played with energy and effort through the entire game and hit shots at the same time. And then what was it, 41 to 9 or 10 in the fourth quarter? The Bulls pull away, win the game. They spanked us in the fourth quarter. What was our biggest lead? Was it 18? We were up by, we were definitely up by 18 at one point. That was, that was uh, when I'm, Rob Williams kind of hurt himself and they took the big timeout and came out of the timeout, fired up. The Bulls came out of the timeout, fired up and we were, and, and gave us the press and we got that, uh, the delay a game call. That was kind of when things turned. It was like, we got the delay of the game call and Jason Tatum like kind of slowed down even more to prove a point to the ref that they shouldn't have called that or something like that. And then like, that's not the way you get ready for a press. Do we talk about Tatum first? What do, what do you guys want to talk about? We have no agenda. We're just upset right now. I need I need to unleash on on Tatum, and I, I think he's got a loser mindset. I don't know. I don't know Uh-oh. what else to say. Um, he is like either. I mean, the complaining and not getting back on D. That's been long established as a problem. He's been a that's catastrophe. Been He's been a catastrophe year. in fourth quarters with his shot selection, his passes, he's making bad passes. He's kind of checking in and out of games and um, his defensive intensity is, is waxing and waning. And I think this team in general um, and Tatum is as guilty, if not guiltier than everybody, like it believes that, he kind of should should be able to show up and win, and as soon as they get ahead, lets his foot off the gas. And I think that's been true his whole career. I think Brown and Smart do it too, to a degree. Um, but I just I, I'm I don't trust Jason Tatum as a leader. Like if if he was my be- the best player on my team, I would not trust that we'd pull out. You know, we'd we'd be making the right decisions. We'd pull out the toughest games, and and this he's season, not the leader. He's the talent, and he's the talent. But he's, like, he's, a, the, he's guy the guy with losing the... talent, and he could be a top five player in the NBA. But he's he's still figuring it out. He's immature, and he's young, and he's still developing, and like yeah, all those things. Awful. Like it's so mentally, painful. right? Like I've called him soft for a couple of years yeah, now. You have. I think I think the better word is is pusillanimous i think that's the better word i'm throwing out the dictionary words for you guys today pusillanimous it's it's spelled like it sounds p-u-s-i-l-l-a-n-i-m-o-u-s lacking courage or resolution this part i don't necessarily agree with cowardly faint-hearted now he's not the he's not the lion from the wizard of oz timid there's some of that going on 
I mean, it's just. Do you agree like, that he has a loser mindset right now? I don't think he has a leadership mindset. I think that he has the mindset of just another player, but he has the talent where we kind of need him to lead a little bit. Um, and and he's he you know if he is a leader at all, he's a he's a lead a quiet leader, you know. No, he's um, not but a leader you, at all. You need, he's but look, not a leader you, but at look, all. when you have guys who can score like he can and who are have, are as talented as he can, sometimes no matter what level you're at, you take what you can get and you keep building because you know he's young. You know, but you need to get leadership from elsewhere. So you need Al Horvath. You need Jalen Brown's, I think, a good leader. You need Marcus Smart. But then you really need other guys, too. And that's what we don't have. Like, we, we went out and got some veterans. And Schroeder's been playing way better than I expected. Same. Remember, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just the toughness isn't there all the time. The whole team is a little pusillanimous to me. Uh, we can't move off of Tatum yet. Uh, I am so sick and tired of his complaining to the refs and not running back on defense. I, I, I feel like we've been patient waiting for this to change and it just hasn't yet. You don't think that's uh, been it, better this year? No, not at all. I, no, I actually think it's been worse. I, I, I do think it's been a little bit better, but I think overall he's been terrible this year or not. I mean, relative to certainly what we'd want from him. I, I think he's, he's been a key reason that we've been losing tonight. For example, uh, he had 20 points on eight of 22 shooting. Uh, he was a minus 24, the worst plus minus on the team uh, in 36 minutes. He had four rebounds, three assists, two steals, one turnover. Um, uh, Jalen Brown, by contrast, was a plus one, one of only two players with, Peyton Pritchard, who played seven minutes this game, uh, in the positive and plus minus. Uh, Jalen had 28 points on 10 of 18 shooting, seven boards, three assists, and basically touched the ball once in the fourth quarter um, while, while the Celtics were getting outscored 39 to 11. So, and and yeah, Tatum just isn't making the game easier for anybody, including himself. Yeah, listen, I, 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 I think Tatum, at this point, uh, Tatum is the reason that this team is playing the way it is right now. Uh, I, he is the best player on the team, supposedly. I mean, he's actually not. Jalen Brown is the best player on this team right now. Uh, and, and that needs Are to be Are we sure said. it's not I, Al Horford? Oh, boy. oh no, you're right. Uh, J, oh. First it's Al Horford, then it's Jalen Brown, then maybe it's Tatum uh, right now. And and the, this, But that's not the way the rest of the team sees it. That's not the way, the way the front office sees it. Not the way the it's coaching the staff the, sees it. Not the way the rest not, of this podcast sees it. Not the way that Jason Tatum sees it. Uh, he is not playing like the guy that we need him to be in order for this team to play well. And after last season, the way things went, I expected him to learn some things about how his play impacts this team and about what his role is and how he needs to play. And can I just be the first one? We've talked about how other players on this team are not living up to expectations. Jason Tatum has played poorly this year. He's had a couple good games, but he has played poorly. His percentages are all down. He's playing more minutes. He's fouling like crazy this year. He's He's got had a couple of really Kobe-esque games where he's shooting 30% from the floor and just continues chucking them these isolation plays step back sidestep he's like i got this i got this i got this it reminds me of paul pierce before he figured it out 
uh, where the, you knew that if if the Celtics needed a shot to win the game, Pierce was taking it, and it was going to be a long two or a three pointer, and he was not going to try and get in the lane. And, and I I think that the the complaining around with the refs is worse this year because he should have learned his lesson last year. He should have looked at the film. He should have seen the impact on the team. He's got new coaches now who are supposed to hold him accountable to that specifically, hold him accountable to playing defense because he's part of a team. And part of the reason this team has lapsed on defense is because Tatum is not running back on defense. He, he, like there was, there was one play in this game where he just decided not, no, it was in the last Wizards game. He just decided he wasn't going to run past half court. I can't stand that. That uh, like he has regressed on defense, and he used to be a good defensive player. He needs to be the one leading this team, and he can't right now. He's like literally not capable of it. So, is it a loser mindset? Like I think he's actually playing like a loser right now. I don't think Jason Tatum is a loser, but I think he's playing it like it right now, and this team is losing right now as a result. Yeah, he's playing with a loser mindset. That, that's all I was trying to say. I I mean, yeah. he but but he's but we're at two we're at in the second season of this pattern like exactly. we were a 500 team last year right like there's no there he doesn't get a grace period like the the, the heat should be on and we were talking about this in the, our last show, right like these guys deserve to get heat at, at, at this point this is what they wanted they wanted to be in or maybe this was conversation on the, the celtics blog slack and i and i was saying this there i can't even remember but the, the players have said they want it. Like there were questions after the last Wizards game about you know Udoka's holding them accountable. He's he's actually saying things to the media, calling players out. How are players going to respond? And the players all said privately and to to reporters and publicly, they said no. This is what we wanted. Jalen Brown came out and said, "We do a job. We get paid a lot of money for this. We want that accountability. I don't take it personally. This is what we wanted." He had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Udoka after Udoka said, "It's what was it? It's mind-boggling the way he he's playing up and down." Now he's got some legitimate excuses with COVID. I don't know what's like. We we've had questions about a lot of players on this team, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and others about what's going on with them. There's something off about them. Tatum has that too. Nobody's mentioning this. Something is off about Tatum. Something's off. I mean, look, he's. Your question about the mindset is, I think, what I've been saying for two years when I've said he's soft. But agreed. that doesn't no, mean agreed. that I'm as disappointed as you guys are right now. Like The way you guys are talking, I'm, I'm like, do I need to ask these guys if they're ready to trade him for Ben Simmons and take the pod there? No, don't take the pod there. Don't do it. So like, like he, But like, here are some more examples of, of this mentality that we've seen from Tatum. You know, like We've asked him or the coaching staff has asked him to go to the free throw line more. And, and he had some responses early in, the, earlier in the year when he was interviewed about it. And he would say things like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, I know that that's what I need to do. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I was apoplectic you know? about that in the yeah. preseason and you were mocking me for being that upset in the preseason, but we all I stand know that by this it. Is, <laughs> we all know that this is not what he, the way he wants to play. He does not want to be going into contact all the time. You can tell by the way he goes down after contact. Like, if you remember the the old commercial with Dwayne Wade where he keeps getting knocked down and keep getting back up, you know, or or the way that some other guys like they just, they bounce back up. Like even like I look forward old, to the commercial of Jason Tatum where he keeps getting knocked down and looking for a ref to complain to. Yeah, Jason Tatum gets up slow, you know, he's he he lays there forever, he lays on his back and waits for the help every single time. 
You know, he, he doesn't like it. He doesn't want to play. Like it. But that's why Boston is good for him, because the fans are going to demand that he plays differently. I mean, the, the fans know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. And they know that that's important for his game and for his evolution, uh, for his demeanor. Like, he needs to start playing. He needs to nut up and start playing with some cashews and some almonds and play through contact and enjoy it. Or it doesn't work if you just say you're going to try it and then, and then you don't like it and you can tell. Um, but I mean, he keeps throwing the ball to Al Horford at the end of the game to try to bail us out. He did it once tonight. He did it twice against the Wizards at the end of regulation that caused the, the first overtime. And then again, in the second overtime, he's, he's just kind of like hoping someone else bails him out. You know, like Al Horford, when he oh, was I... 30, when he was playing for the Celtics the last time, like he was someone you could do that with. And so there's some old patterns there. And I think that he's using Horford a little bit as a, a savior, like asking him to save us so that Tatum doesn't have to be the one. Um, yeah. So there's, there's plenty of examples, but we have two of the most talented players in the entire league in Tatum and Brown. And so I think that things can turn around easily once we understand how to win games, how to close out games. And I think the coach needs to play. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be going on. I think the issue you guys are pointing right at Tatum and maybe at Brown too. But I think the issue is also with the supporting cast, with the personnel we have on the team, with the way we passed up draft picks recently. I mean, look at Ayo Desunmu for the Bulls. Like he was someone I was, you know, go to my music, movies and hoops, big board. You can see he was like 15th, 16th overall. And he was a second round pick. You know, we could have had him. So there's, there's a lot of decisions that go into this. I don't think we should unload completely on, on Tatum. I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you, you're both right. <laughs> like, yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of decisions that have been made the last couple of years at the at the GM level um, that have not been good decisions. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit unclear with Neesmith um, what we have because especially while he's not playing, which. Uh, you know, is a question I think that can fairly be raised about some of the rotation decisions Udoka is playing. He's leaning on the veterans as most coaches do, especially young coaches. Um, uh, but it, you know, it's it's for who? For Josh Richardson, who has had one good game, the the second Wizards game, um, since you know, as a Celtic so far, and has otherwise looked at best mediocre. Um, he was minus twenty one today, just a hair behind. Jason Tatum's minus 24. So, um, you know, we, there, we could have had, you know, Sadiq Bey, we could have had Cole Anthony instead of Neesmith. We, you know, there are, there are other options on the board, but Desmond, well, we could have had Desmond Bain independently if we hadn't kind of moved Ennis Cantor, um, blah, 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 to create like a a very small uh, trade exception. So, yes, Josh, your point stands, but, you know, Jason Tatum um, is becoming infuriating to watch because he plays with an aloofness and um, kind of a lack. A, I get, honestly, it's a lack of leadership. It's, it's, it's a la- I disagree uh, that he's looking to Al to bail him out. I think he's trying to force the issue too much and making bad decisions. He did actually have a nice pass. Uh, towards the end of the game um, where I thought he was going to try to force the issue and he found smart for a three at the top of the key when the Celtics, I think at that point were down like 121 to 112 or something. Um, and smart just missed the three. That was pretty much our last chance to try to come back before DeRozan then hit 
uh, a corner three that counted uh, shortly after his corner three was uh, over overruled or overturned or whatever. Um, but yeah, T- I mean, Tatum is not delivering at the level he needs to deliver if he wants to say things like he said before the season of it's that I'm at a point in my career where I can't just be great. I have to be dominate. Like you can't say that and then come out and play the way he's played for the first seven games of the season. Like he's, he's not the first. Like a member of the team. There's, a, there's a there's a disconnect between how he sees himself, like a huge disconnect between how he sees himself and what where he actually is. Um, and and he he is not remotely close to good enough to carry a team. Like just look at like John Morant versus him. Like, totally. Josh, would you say John ja Morant has passed Tatum in the? I mean, like John ja Morant's NBA? averaging twenty-eight points per game. I don't know if that's like going to continue throughout the year, kind of a thing. So, but like, who, I, who I would you rather ja build a team around today? Tatum. I mean, like, look, th- this start to the season is not going to make me think let's trade Tatum or I'd rather have John ja Morant than Tatum. Like Tatum is one of the elite players. So what you're looking at, Mike, is an NBA player who thinks he's better than he really is. I don't know if you've ever met any NBA players. No, I know. Players I know that that's true like, of all of them. I'm aware. All of them. I, I, I understand that. But... And- and the ones at an elite level, like that's part of their progression. They get that's how they get to where they are. Like Tatum wouldn't have gotten this far if he didn't have that mindset. But he's still too young to to have it have clicked. Yeah, Adam think, brought up that that Paul Pierce. It took him a while for it to click as well. A while. I, I Pierce was much older me, when it did. Yeah, I think part of what worries me with Tatum is that I think he, even the best case version of him. I think is going to play just a style of basketball that's going to frustrate me because it's still going to be very ISO heavy. Um, not a lot of ball movement and, and motion in the offense. Um, I think even the optimized version of Tatum is going to be kind of an aesthetically unpleasing version of basketball. Um, and that, that kind of both bothers me and concerns me. I mean, this was true of Zach Levine in the past. This was true of Devin Booker in the past. These guys figure it out. And we're seeing that with both of those guys. Like, it's hard to remember when Devin Booker, when we used to talk about Devin Booker, like we talked about Zach Levine only a year or two ago, like he wasn't ready to make the leap. And and you saw Zach Levine tonight. I mean, he turned it on when he needed to. Like Scalabrini was talking about on the broadcast, he only had like two or three points. Like, like we had shut him down and it was like, no, 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 that, that he's just waiting until he needed to, to really step up and had the room to do so. And, and in the third quarter, that was a big shift for them. And you could see him with a, a different mindset on his face with his body language when he was at the free throw line, knocking down free throws in the fourth, just knocking, chipping away and chipping away and grinding it out. I mean, Tatum has that in him, just not yet. He's just not there yet. So you got to, like, we can't overreact right now. Free to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I sh- I can overreact. <laughs> so you guys think that th- that Tatum will always be like this? That this is just part no of his personality. No. What do you think? Um, I how long are you willing to wait? I am not sure. I'm I'm def. So I think I mean I think actually that the Levine and Booker examples are really good ones because. Booker got Chris Paul next to him 
uh, and, which is not to take away not to take away from how good Booker was. He was really really good, but it also signals kind of the type of role he thr- thrived in, which was next to like a true playmaker and like a true floor general. Levine has DeMar DeRozan next to him now and is in a position where he carries much less of the primary playmaking role. And I could see that being the progression that makes sense for Tatum. Um, but, but it is, I'm not convinced Tatum is ever going to be an elite late game um, player or, or maybe it will be on the same timeline that it was for Pierce, which is like when he gets to his, you know, very late twenties, around 30, which is eight or nine years from now. So we can't, I don't think we can simultaneously talk about Tatum as a great player now today. Could he be a future great player? Sure. But I mean, what, what does it mean to be a great player? To me, it means you can carry a team to winning. And I don't, I'm not seeing that right now. Uh, Tatum will not make all NBA if he's playing like he is. And I know he was upset about not making all NBA last year. He thought he was he should have been on it. He should not have, and he shouldn't now. How so this, long am I willing to wait? Yeah. I mean, the frustration that I have is because I feel like we've been talking about this for over a year now. And for for a year now. Coming into last season, we expected a leap and he took one. But um no, he took one the year before, and then we expected him to to increase his free throws, which he did slightly and, and to have play with more grit. And, uh, he did not. And the frustration really is about how long this fan base has been waiting this entire year for the team to, to play with more grit and to, to play with accountability and to just bring it every night. Um, and through the media, they keep saying like, Oh, well, we have to figure it out. We have to figure it out, or we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Like Marcus smart said, a, Again tonight, we have to figure it out. It's really tough about the fourth quarter. He said it 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 always rains before a rainbow, and right now we're going through the rain. But he said we will figure this out. Sure, but but when is it going to be next season? Like, do we have to go through an entire another season of this? Because to me, it's not that hard to figure out. <laughs> you play as a team. You play hard. You hold each other accountable, and the leader needs to be the one who's setting the example. Ideally, that's the best player. None of those things are happening right now. So, how long are you willing to wait? Uh, like uh, before, what we trade him? Like, what do you yeah. mean? How long? Yeah, before before we get off of the Tatum and Brown and trying to build around them model. I mean, uh, depending on what's out there, I think we're kind of stuck with it. Unless you're talking about bringing in another player of uh, at that stage and talent level, like are, are you we trading them for picks? Like, what what is? What's no, no, the no, offer? no. You try to trade them I, for another star and try to rebuild with another star. You try to trade one of those guys. I mean, like you guys are are the doomsday voice of the podcast today. So those fans out there, I would, I would say for off with their heads, right? So what, what? How long do you wait? Are you willing to wait two more years? I would say that if we put up a total stinker of a year this year, that you seriously you seriously look at what the trade options are. You don't necessarily pull the trigger, and not not you know for for 
uh, on anything because you're only going to make a deal if you're really sure it's going to make the team better. And I, you know, to your point, Josh, they are still young. I do think they're going to keep getting better. Um, none of that makes it less frustrating now to me to watch the team get up 18 in a game that was pretty important based on how kind of up and down the season has been. If they won that game going away, if they won that game by 20, and I was at the game against the Wizards, they looked, you know, that it was they scrapped it out in a game where they couldn't hit a shot. Like they were two for 26 from three. So I, honestly, I would have felt pretty good about this team if they had held that third quarter lead and just, you know, won by 15 to 20. I was like, all right, I, I can I can see that something about this team. Um, but this collapse was unfortunately seems to be more the character of the team in the last year plus and and just kind of not being able to kind of maintain focus and close out games when they're up or um, respond well to adversity or all of these issues that we've been talking about for a season plus now okay, where so... my patience is wearing thin and I would be I would start seriously looking at trades come this off season for one of Tatum or Brown. Um, if the team continues to perform in this kind of manner where it's where we're like 500 or below yeah. basically at the end of the year. Yeah. Adam, what do you think? And then, and then I'm going to move on. I mean, it, you, you got to present me with options. Like, like if Dame wants out, would I consider t- trading Tatum for him? Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, I, I would, I would, you know, if we can get CJ too, uh, and throw somebody else in on the Celtics side, I'm not sure who that would be. We they we're giving we'd have to take in a lot more salary. Like, is that Marcus Smart and somebody else? I, like, I'm open to that stuff. Yeah, I'm going through. But the I, don't next think, six I don't think I don't think Tatum and Brown. I'm, I'm I don't think the Blazers on. are getting anybody better than Tatum back no. in, back for Dame. No. Okay. So the the other issue that I feel like is a little bit more sim- systemic than just Tatum. Uh, is the passing. I, I feel like Schroeder has surprised with like six and a half assists a game. He's, I think, like 15th in the NBA in assists per game, which is not what we would have expected from him. He's moving the ball well, but he's not always making like the smartest passes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of guys on our team are always trying to like tip the ball to somebody else instead of just securing it. Even tonight, I felt like, I felt like Tatum could have gotten on the floor late in the game for that one uh, when he had slapped it away. I think it was against DeRozan and and kind of got on the floor late and couldn't pick it up and then fouled. And, and there they are at the free throw line, kind of uh, making it a four-point game instead of a two-point game. With So um, if you look at our assists per game and our individuals, Marcus Smart is next, 38th in the league in assists per game with 4.8. He had 5.7 last year. I predicted he would have that, that that would go up this year as the primary point guard that's gone down. Small sample size, right, with these stats. Um, but he's right around Brandon Ingram, Bradley Beal, D'Angelo Russell. All right. Jason Tatum, 53rd in the NBA, 3.8 assists per game. Jalen Brown, 2.4 assists per game. He's 98th in the NBA. So that's year, this is year three of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown being primary ball handlers, uh, guys who need to create for others, and, and primary pick and roll facilitators. So, um, those numbers need to either go way up or you got to have guys around them that are really good passers and that bring the contagiousness of fun passing like LaMelo Ball, like Lonzo Ball, like Alex Caruso a little bit, uh, like Josh Giddy is doing, 
Like, you know, there's a bunch of guys around the uh, around the NBA that are providing that kind of a, a supplementary role player type spark or doing it as a lead ball handler. And we just have a bunch of average pa- passers. Like, well, you can, guys I, talk can about... I ask you a question, Josh? Sure. Um, based on, so this is, this is uh, asking, uh, gauging your response to something Marcus Smart has said in the postgame uh, press conference. Um, so responding to questions, Marcus Smart, you know, kind of asked about the team struggles, etc. cetera, uh, said, especially like in the fourth quarter, I can only do so much just standing in the corner. Smart continued, we're running plays for our best players. The other team knows that. They do a good job of shutting that down. We can't allow that. When they shut that down, we can't keep trying to go to those guys. We've got to abort that and find another way to get them the ball. Well, So he's kind of saying what you're saying, but he's also adding what some he's uh, saying extra is, spice is, is, in there. Yeah, what he's saying is that coach could be running different plays or that coach last year could have been running different plays or that we don't have the right guys for for them not for us not to it doesn't make sense for us to run plays when the balls that you're going to get swung around to Josh Richardson don't make no sense so let's keep going to the guys who are good like once we get some other guys who can knock down shots and for whatever reason like Neesmith like have the uh, trust of the head coach to be able to play them on defensively like I, I don't know what's going on there I I can speculate but the I think that we haven't personnel wise, Danny Ainge and now Brad Stevens have not gotten contagious passers on this team. Um, even when you look at our bigs, like you guys have talked about how our bigs are some of the better passers when you look at Horford and, and Rob Williams. And, and I kind of disagree with that. Like they're average passers. All of our guys are average, solid, good passers. We don't have anyone who's an amazing passer. Like we just don't like Jalen Brown's 98th in the NBA in assists per game so far. So to me, that's systemic, and it goes back to Danny Ainge. It goes back to our draft picks. And, I mean, th- this was the class this past year of guys who knew how to pass and and move the ball and were athletic and had length and could guard a little bit on the perimeter or could do some things down low. Like guys who were available at our pick, Jalen Johnson and Alperin Shengun from Turkey, those guys know how to pass. And they have length and they were available. Like there were other guys higher up, Scotty Barnes being one of them. You know, there is there was a lot of long passers in this draft, um, not as much in the next draft coming up. And so I'm kicking, you know, myself or our team for that. Like the, there, there are opportunities that we've passed up and, and we've had to, you know, in order to get Al Horford, trade a first round pick. To just to get off of Kemba Walker's contract, you know, and we didn't want to re-sign Fournier. He would have been good in this kind of a game. He would have been good when we needed a veteran who really knows what to do on both ends of the court, can knock down shots, and can really pass the ball. Do I get credit for uh, wishing we had re-signed Fournier at the time? It seemed like everybody else said he was too expensive. I wanted to re-sign him. You and I. It's just you and me, brother. You did too. Yeah, I still, I don't, I still oh, don't. Yes. Yeah, Josh, de- Josh definitely did. I was right. the one that didn't. I still don't. I, I don't think Fournier fixes what's going on with this team at all. Of I don't think not. anybody else fixes it. Sangoon, all the other people, Desmond Bain, like none of them. Like if Tatum is playing this way, it doesn't matter who else is on the team. Yeah, my my unless you have somebody better than him. That's my what argument I for why I didn't want Fournier was that I didn't think we were good enough. I had managed to talk myself into thinking we could be fourth. <laughs> in the east this year um i'm looking like i was a lot smarter at the end of uh last season than i was at the beginning of this season but 
based on the way we've played this year because again it's just we we haven't we haven't progressed and and the you know i do agree with you josh that the the players we brought in who i was got got kind of bullish and excited i mean look i think horford has been everything we could have hoped for so far this season like he's been playing at a great level right like not not like elite player but he's like performing at a at least above average level on both sides of the ball and i think he's been very very good defensively he's uh, i i do think he's a very good connector i i get what you're saying he's not he doesn't have like elite vision josh i think that's part of what you're talking about from like a passing perspective um he doesn't make like these like next level see you know see the see the floor like three steps ahead type passes that some other players can like a draymond green can make um but but he he makes the right play and he you know he he gets the ball in the lane immediately looks to the other side of the court finds the guy open in the corner without hesitation like those are really important plays too and he makes those and he makes them all the time um and and Mike, and, even the first half of this game was starting to prove my point wrong. We we saw we've seen really good ball movement in this game. We saw yeah. it in the preseason too. No, we were great. I mean, Adam, you you said what I was thinking too. Like that for like with about six minutes to go in the third third quarter, I was like, oh man, we're finally watching the Celtics again. Like it looked like the team from like whatever two years ago that was really really fun to watch all the time. Um, and then just boom was gone and it's hard it, it this team is the way they've played over the last year just makes it so hard to believe that it's like they're just you know they're just about to round the corner and figure it all out like and maybe i know josh you've said in the past that it's like this is kind of how it works sometimes for kids in their early 20s it's like all of a sudden it just kind of comes together and and maybe that'll be the case and maybe like Jalen and Jason and Marcus will like really start figuring out how to bring the consistency needed to win consistently in the NBA um and and the like in the regular season because I just don't think that's something that they've ever had fall on their shoulders quite as squarely as it does now um so maybe it is just a learning thing and they'll figure it out sooner than I'm expecting but uh yeah, it's been a bad week. At at minimum, I think we can all agree it's been a bad week for the Celtics. Well, I, I think the I think I have a solution. I think we just need a nickname for Jason Tatum. I think that'll solve everything. I think mm. maybe like Tater Soft Tots. Tea? Soft Tater. tea. He's playing like he's in kindergarten. He's making those kinds of mistakes. Uh maybe we just call him Pusillanimous. I like Softy. It's a capital T, so it's like soft Tatum, soft T. Oh, nice. A little double entendre. That's right. That's right. Does um, Do we need to have some revisionist history with Brad Stevens? Does he get more credit than he did last year? No. Because clearly guy... it wasn't, he wasn't the problem <laughs> as a coach. Yeah, well, you think he's like sitting back like I told you so. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean... I don't think anyone thought, well, no, that's not true. People definitely questioned the the efficacy of Brad. I do nothing about this season makes me think differently that Brad probably lost the room at a certain point last year. Um now 
and I, I, but I do think this maybe suggests that doesn't necessarily reflect badly on Brad and that maybe, maybe the players are a bit more immature in, in certain ways and, and have more growing to do than, than we wanted to believe um, or, or some parts of kind of Celtics fandom wanted to believe. Um, and, and so for, for that reason, for a couple of reasons, it was the right time to get a new voice in that was going to have to kind of grow and, and push these guys through some of this immaturity. I mean, just remember like when Doc Rivers came at first, like he and Pierce like really had at it and like they did not get along at first because Doc called out Pierce all the time on his immaturity and like they, they had to like go through a lot of headbutting against each other for the first, I don't know, year or two of that, of that coaching coach player relationship before Pierce really kind of turned the corner and started to, to grow up as on the court. Um, so I think, I think maybe Stevens and Ainge and Wick at all, maybe all recognize that a Stevens probably just isn't the right personality for that. Um, and B given the, the nature of his relationship with the players, he, he wouldn't have been in the best position to, to kind of bring that dynamic anyways. So they got a guy better suited on multiple fronts to do that. Yeah, they got a guy who had played in the NBA. They got a, a person of color, a guy who can be real with them in a different kind of way than Brad Stevens ever could because he just, Brad Stevens wasn't built like that. And Brad Stevens was an amazing coach. And maybe he should get some credit, some more credit in, in terms of revisionist history. But I don't think that you're, that the guys are going to respond to Udoka the same way that they responded to Stevens. And yeah, we are seeing that they're responding the same way in the first few games here, but I don't think that that's a long-term thing. I think that we have a tougher coach, more hard-nosed coach, a guy who could be real in a different kind of a way, and that's going to start to show up here. Um, and, and I think that guys will respond differently to a coach like Udoka. Udoka is, I mean, he, he works the sidelines. Like they said, they say that, that, you know, guys play taller than, than they actually are. Like Udoka coaches on the sidelines. Like he's like, he's like six, 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 seven, you know, he's only six, four. So, but he's just got a presence about him. And, and I, I really think that there's because of his, his, I don't know the way he's put together. I think that the guys will respond differently to this type of a coach even if he's not as good of a coach as Stevens was tactically. I look forward to seeing some healthy conflict between Ime Odoka and Jason Tatum. I think that would be a good sign for Tatum's development. How much credit like, do... Go ahead. Adam, that you brought up, that makes me think about the, the locker room fight or whatever that happened with Marcus Smart last year. I think it was Smart and Jalen Brown. You know, like... Brad Stevens in a in a situation like that where the players are actually like about to come to blows, I feel like Brad Stevens isn't going to jump in. He's going to let whatever needs to happen happen and lay back and stay cool, calm, and collected. I feel like Ime Odoka is the kind of guy who's going to be a yeller or a screamer in that locker room too, or or someone who's going to get up in somebody's face too and be like, "Try me!" Like let's, you know, like this isn't this is a different type of a situation when conflict goes down. Uh, in a locker room full of of dogs and a locker room full of softies as well, like who think that they're better than they are. Like this is this is a different type of response from a coach that I think that you know that that will be refreshing as as we lose more and more games and win more and more games. 
Well, Marcus Smart is calling them out for sure. Mike, is there anything you want to add to what you shared about Smart's comments? Yeah, so Smart Smart added basically, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit, um, but he noted that every team knows that, that Jason and Jalen are, are you know, going to be getting the ball. And he also, he basically highlighted that they, as, as players right now, they don't want to pass the ball and that's something that they need to, to work on and learn something the team has been working with them to work on and improve upon, but they, they have to get better at it. Um, uh, and so it's, it's interesting to kind of to see smart, um, raise that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit following suit, right? Udoka's, uh, making public comments and now smart is kind of take following his, the lead there and, and making some, bringing some criticism, uh, of the, the two star players on the team, uh, to the public, to the public eye. It'll be interesting kind of to see how that evolves. Um, because I have a feeling that it might not be received as well from a a, a, a teammate as it would be uh, received from a coach. So that'll be that'll be interesting. But nothing he said is uh, I don't disagree with anything he said. <laughs> so that's a, that's another interesting element here. Well, who are our team captains right now? You know, Udoka made this... <laughs> I don't think they were ever named, right? Well, let's go to yeah. email. Nope. Co- Coach, they were never... you better let us know. The fans want to know who never... are our captains in this situation right now. You said there'd be two. So what What I found interesting is how Emo Doka has, has expressed his desire to do all of these different things. He's like, we're not... A team that I coach is not going to complain to the refs. That's just not what I believe in. And so my team's not going to do that. And he was really excited for having captains. And a number of other things. And then he realized, oh, shoot, this team isn't playing hard. This team isn't, isn't getting back on D. They're not communicating enough on defense. They're not running the offense. There's major habits that need to be broken here. And he's very quickly uh, shifted away from prioritizing those two things, captains and um, and complaining to the refs to deal with more important matters. And I think that's the right thing. And Josh, I was actually curious about what you thought about this as a coach. I mean, the way that I'm interpreting it is he's deciding, I can't just do everything at once. Let me focus on the most important things. And we'll get to that other stuff later. Is that the right approach? Do you really need to like put not one thing, but just prioritize the most important things and get that down first before dealing with other uh, secondary issues? No, I think if you're going to be a hard-nosed coach, like he seemed like he was being, and this isn't a presidential campaign where you promise a bunch of things that you then don't deliver. Like this is, he needs to be about those things, I think. You know, what it comes down to is he, he now needs to bench Jason Tatum or find Jason Tatum and show him and for, the, for the two clips or whatever. You know, like however many times per game he complains to the ref, as he's getting back or instead of getting back, like those, he needs to double down on those things. And now you're benching your main player, a superstar who could potentially get upset. And so maybe he's been told from higher up, oh no, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not, we're not finding Jason Tatum or benching him for those actions. You know, so like the, that's, and, and I'm not saying that's coming from Brad Stevens or the front office. I'm saying that's coming from ownership, you know, ownership, you know, or, or someone like, it's not always the best move to to threaten your best players like that so there's it all comes down to that at at the end of the day the you know this guy's making 200 million this guy's making 125 million you know and the coaches and, and those guys the only other people in on this team that are making that kind of money are the owners so it really is about them 
isn't that a con- I mean that's why this, that's why being a coach a, at the NBA level is not like being a coach at the college level. No, at the of college course, level, but, but you can be like that. But isn't it? I mean, I'm just trying to think, and I, I'm I'm trying to kind of do this. Like, you look around the league now. You look in league history, right? There are obviously superstars are, um, are wired very differently, right? You have, but you have certain superstars, whether it's Giannis or Dame Lillard or guys like Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett that were you didn't have to question whether they were buying into what the coach was telling them right like they oh, were I... in and then and then you have you have superstars that that that's less sure and i don't know i mean with the exception of a guy like like LeBron who has kind of <laughs> demolished the careers of a number of of coaches uh in fairness because he was obviously way more talented than than them on the basketball court and probably had a better basketball mind than all of them to boot um i don't know that it's it's is it ever in the franchise's best interest to kowtow to a a superstar that's not buying into the coach so no, I, I, it's not it's not that Tatum's not buying into what the coach is saying. Tatum's not saying, yeah, coach, and then leaving the huddle. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, he's not doing any of that. He's just not built for it. And so he's one of the types of superstars that needs to learn it. I feel like there's two types of superstars, those who are built for it already and have that team ego and will do and, and hate to lose. Like, there's we used to say in our locker room that there was a difference between wanting to win and hating to lose. Like there's some superstars like LeBron is one, like Chris Paul is another. They will do anything to win and it doesn't matter what. And then there's other guys who are really enjoying looking good as they're winning. And so they're doing it for their ego a little bit more than than they just hate to lose. And Tatum's one of those guys. And those guys, if they're going to like learn how to close out games and really win championships, they learn how to do it. And I feel like there's been guys throughout the years who've learned how to do it. I kind of think Giannis is one of those. Giannis didn't really know what he was doing. He really wanted it. Maybe he hated to lose, but he he needed to le- still learn how to do it. He wasn't built already kind of knowing how to figure it out like a LeBron or a Kobe. You know, Giannis. So I, I think, think that there's examples of, of superstars who learn how to do it. And that's why I think Tatum I, can. Yeah. The, I mean, to me, the difference with Giannis, and this is not that material, like, I, I don't think the like the effort or heart was like or or competitiveness. Mindset. Yeah, the, like he always had the mindset. He just he was late to basketball. So like figuring out like the basketball IQ part, like it just took him a little longer because he had fewer reps based on when he kind of started and, and got involved in high level basketball. Um, but I, I think I think Giannis is the, the shining is the shining example mindset wise of what Tatum is not. Um, and and I, I don't mean that in a good way for Tatum. So, uh, so Dirk, yeah, Dirk I don't Nowitzki know. I mean, is another example of a guy who had to learn how to become a champion and really lead a team there. I think Paul Pierce is even an example. You know? But even Dirk, like Dirk, I, I think Pierce is a, a cleaner example. Like Dirk, they were, they, I mean, Dirk led them to be a 67 win one seed. They had a devastating, like, upset in the in the first round against that golden state like we believe baron davis team but i yeah i mean i think it's it's more like a pierce and i think again i think it's some or like a like a paul george or something like i'm not you know or Kawhi. we're taught we talk about we talk about 
Um, Tatum, like he's going, he has, he will lead the Celtics to a championship level. And I'm not, I'm, 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 to me, it's still a big question mark whether he will ever, he can be the best player on a championship team based because of his leadership and kind of some of this, this next, next level stuff, like from a, a skill and polish perspective, he's got the ingredients, but I'm not sure you can build a team pr- principally around him and it can be a championship contender. And, and he, he, there's clearly growth that he would have to, he would have to achieve uh, for that, for that to be a reality. And, so, and he's not showing as many signs in the last kind of couple of years as I would have hoped. And I don't know if that's just because I'm being unrealistic or uh, because he's just young and it's normal because he's this young. Yeah. Tatum watched and emulated Kobe, but he's a little bit more like a Durant in this way. Uh, you know, Durant is another type of guy who if it's him and a bunch of other guys, you know, like if, if he's in the place of of Tatum right now, is this team going to be better? Yeah. But it, are they really going to be built for a championship where now Durant yes. has to be the leader at yes. this point in his career? Absolutely. After going to Golden State and all that. But if you took Durant at the same age or the same number of years in the NBA, you know, like from that Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma City team and, and put that Durant on this squad, I think it's not too dissimilar. That, that Durant was a lot that Durant was a lot better. Like at the at the same age. I don't have I, I've looked at their kind of But didn't you know, know how to uh, win basketball reference. Um at didn't that know how year, to win, didn't you know? At twenty two at twenty two. At 22, that was around when when that Oklahoma City Thunder team went to the finals. Yep, totally. So he did know how to win because that was him. Yeah, but he didn't. No, he didn't know. He didn't get to the top. And and I think even when he joined Golden State Warriors, it's you know he's another piece to that team. He wasn't even the leader in that situation as much as he would like to have been. But he's Durant is another type of superstar who had to learn how to, but how to how to be great. Instead but my, of just my, being my point is that like and I think you, Zion like, Williamson is another example of that too. Zion doesn't know how to win. He doesn't know how to close out games. He's just oozing talent and wasting away in new Orleans. You know, Anthony well, Davis, he's, he's not staying healthy. I mean, and, and, but all of those guys that you're saying, including Zion, like from a advanced stats perspective are, are notably better than Jason Tatum. Yeah. So exactly. like, Tatum is not as elite as he's sometimes been talked about. When you're talking about like the most elite players in the league, um, Tatum Tatum is a, a tick or two below, and and so it it, it becomes frustrating. It just it's, it, he's just been frustrating to watch. He he plays he plays pretty selfishly sometimes. He plays pretty soft sometimes. Um, he, he doesn't play with enough focus and consistent focus and effort. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not as transcendental a player as someone like Kevin Durant. Like he doesn't get to the free throw line the way Kevin Durant always did. He doesn't get, um, he, he doesn't kind of bring consistent defensive effort and intensity the way Giannis pretty much always has. Like, so it, it, it just leads to frustration at times, and especially right. in games like this that are that are pretty uh, pretty painful you, you to watch as a though, fan. You guys have heard me talk about 
you know, the low tier all-stars, you know, the Kevin Loves and the Kemba Walkers and guys who make like one or two or three all-star games, but they're really like, they show up into that locker room and they're kind of in awe. And then you have the other end of the spectrum of the all-stars. Like there's only so many of the super duper stars who are just built like that. Like you could probably, there's probably five or less in the NBA right now. Luca is, LeBron is, you know, like it's guys like that who just, who not only are oozing talent, but know how to win when they get to the league. And, uh, you know, so that everybody else with us, with a superstar, I think Giannis, I think AD, you know, like all these other guys, Jason Tatum's one of them. You're just hoping and praying that you can put them in a culture where they can figure it out and learn how to be like that super duper star and how to have that grit at the end of games. And, and so I think the jury's still out. I think, I think that we're in one of the best situations you can be in. At least we have one of those guys and then a Jalen Brown along with that. How much credit do the Bulls get for this win tonight? The Bulls are well put together. I mean, they're they're six and one for a reason. I called them out for being a playoff team at the very beginning of the season. I love you know the additions that they've done with Caruso and Derek Jones Jr. and um, I like the picks of Ayo Desunmu. And I, they just have they're deep, they're talented, they're athletic. I mean, look at even Javante Green. Like people are playing a role with that team that is working and and they're having fun you know i think lonzo ball he's another guy that you can give it to and he's just going to make a split second decision that's going to be ahead of everybody else and that you know the celtics don't have a player like that but the bulls do and that's really fun to play with so now you've got all these athletic dudes out there just balling and having fun and they they know how to defend they got a decent coach i think that they deserve a lot of credit they're definitely a playoff team this year and i predicted that they'd be better than the celtics this year as well I think I think they deserve credit for sure for for continuing to compete and push. I mean, it's but but I also think the Celtics like right everyone says the NBA is a a game of runs or basketball's a game of runs, right? It and it's not uncommon. Stevens made comments about it, right? The human nature of getting up with a pretty large lead and letting your your foot off the gas a little bit. Like none of that is that uncommon. Um, so Chicago deserves credit, uh, for c- continuing to compete for making a game of it. But I think the Celtics deserve blame for basically, you know, scoring nine points and or 11 points in the fourth quarter, getting outscored by 28. Like that's not all Chicago Com- coming up. The Celtics have uh, a quick turnaround, uh, Wednesday, tomorrow evening, uh, if you're, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, they'll be playing in the Orlando Magic at Orlando, uh, and then with a back-to-back the following night against, uh, Miami in, in Florida, um, and then, uh, straight over to Dallas for a game Saturday evening there, so three more games this week, um, You'd They're like on to the road a bunch at, coming at, up. At here. least, at least one of those three. At least the game against Orlando, the game against Miami, who's five and one heading into this evening, uh, best point differential in league. Yeah. Uh, going into Miami on the back back half of a back to back, it's going to be very tough. Uh, playing at Dallas is always tough uh, when when Luka Luka Doncic is involved. Um, but Orlando is young and scrappy and hungry and and isn't going to you know, just, just give the game away either. So, you know, the Celtics really, <laughs> hopefully we're not reconvening with a, a two and eight Celtics team in a week from now. 
Well, shout out to our great uncle Mike, Josh. He texted me. He's excited to listen to this game. Big Chicago <laughs> Bulls, Bulls Chicago sports fan. Uh, you got one tonight, Mike. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA and at Coach Motenko for Josh Motenko. I am not on Twitter. Thanks for listening. 